This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. The football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I'm once again joined by Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, welcome back. It's part two of the Running Back 2020 Positional Preview Show. How are you doing, my friend? Paul, I'm excited. After that star-studded, I mean star-studded running back episode that we just did, I got to tell you something. I am just psyched because we have just as much talent in part two. Yeah, absolutely. If you missed part one, please get back and listen to it. It was episode 300. We covered 16 running backs in great detail, talking about how they win, talking about strengths, talking about areas they're functional, developing areas, you know, schemes that they best fit in at the next level, NFL roles, NFL draft projection. I mean, we really give you a snapshot of these players, uh, whether you know about these guys or just learning about these guys, really give you the snapshot you need before the college football season and to start you know, wetting your appetite for next year's 2020 NFL draft. We're back today to cover 13 more running backs, a little bit of a watch list of some underclassmen you should keep your eyes on and maybe share, you know, my potential top 10 running backs as well. So Matt, let's get right into it uh, with our 17th running back uh, that we're going to discuss. And that is Zach Moss out of Utah. He's a senior. A lot of people thought he was going to come out last year, five foot nine, 215 pounds, 1,096 yards last year, eight touchdowns. The season got cut short uh, due to injury, only eight receptions for 50 yards. I mentioned Zach Moss in the last episode. I think he's a solid back, uh, uh, an average to above average back. I don't see a guy who's – I don't see what some other people see in this guy. I think he's a committee running back on early downs. That's what I see. I see a guy who I think should be a day for pick. I think he's best in an inside zone or gap running scheme. Uh I think he's got good size and frame. He's got some good short area bursts and quickness. I think his athleticism is probably average to above average. Same thing for his long speed and acceleration. I like his contact balance and play strength to run through contact, bounce off defenders, you know, fight and pick up additional yards. I like his power, physicality, finishing ability. He's able to deliver punishment, break tackles consistently, pick up those tough yards. I think he's got good footwork, quick feet. Good vision with above average agility to one cut and get up the field quickly. I think he's got developing areas. His change of direction skills uh, is something that I think, you know, he's got to improve upon a little bit. His elusiveness in the open field, his receiving production, his receiving skills and durabilities and injuries. So I have some questions. I think he's got, you know, some decent movement skills for a guy his size. But I'm not ready to say that this is a guy who I think is a starter or a top 100 pick next year in the NFL draft. No, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, Zach Moss was a player that when I watched him on film, my first instinct was, again, I see a player that could be a contributor in an NFL roster. I saw as a as a depth back or a committee back. I, I didn't necessarily see him as a full three down back at the next level, Paul. I mean, so I'm right there in lockstep with you. So if we move on right now to the next player that we're going to be considering in this, again, star-studded class, let's take a look at Florida's other running back. We already talked about Malik Davis last time. Now it's time to talk about his running mate, LaMichael Pirine. And that's from Florida. He's a senior. He's five foot 11, 227 pounds. And last year he had 826 yards 
good for 6.2 yards per carry, seven touchdowns, 13 receptions for 170 yards. Paul, this is a player that I've only had a chance to see kind of intermittently over the course of last year. So this is a player that's still kind of in the can for me to study, so to speak. But when I watched him, he was a player that looked like he would probably fall into that day three category. He was a player that looked like he was going to probably sit in that kind of lesser part, so to speak, of a committee. But tell me a little bit more details that you've seen from your study of Michael P. Ryan. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think he's a day for a lesser part of a committee, probably, or most likely a depth running back inside gap or zone runner. I think that's where he fits. You know, listen, I think he's got good size and frame. I mean, the, the, the frame at 227 is excellent. You know, for that size and frame, I think he's got good short area burst, uh, quickness and athleticism with above average long speed for that size. So I do think that's something, you know, that he does show some bursts, long speed and quickness and overall athleticism for a guy who's 227 pounds. I like his play strength, his contact uh, fidelity to run through contact and absorb contact, deliver punishment, that power, that physicality and toughness. And I think he's got good vision and patience to allow his blocks and lanes to develop. But I mean, his change of direction skills, his agility, his elusiveness, uh, his receiving skills. To me, those are all things that are developing that I'd like to see more of. Uh, I don't think there's anything in his game that screams out as, you know, uh, elite or very, or great. I think, you know, besides maybe his physicality and power and toughness, but I don't think there's anything that makes him stand out in this class that leads me to think he's a starter caliber player, or top 100 type player. No, and I, and I can't disagree with you. I mean, that was kind of the feelings I was getting from his film initially. But again, I still have a lot more to do on him. But a player that I want to move towards now is a player that I think is going to have a lot of competition this upcoming season. But I do like what he brings to the table already. And that's Mr. Scotty Phillips, number 22 from Old Miss. He's a senior. He's five foot eight. He's 211 pounds. And last year in 2018, he had 928 yards, good for 6.1 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns good for 10 receptions and 105 yards and two touchdowns as well. Again, this was a player who is really brand new to me. So, Paul, I'm going to kind of unveil it and and kind of let you talk about him one last time. Yeah, I mean – Listen, I think very similar to a LaMichael P. Ryan type. And I think he's a depth running back with the upside to develop into a lesser part of a committee. I think he's best in an inside zone, but can be effective running to the outside uh, or some inside gap as well. I think he's a day three type talent. You know, some things he's got to work on are his receiving production and skills. Uh, he's a little bit older than some of the other prospects we've talked about, and he's had some injuries and durability concerns. Things that I like about him, I think he's got good athleticism, long speed, and burst. I like his footwork, his ability to one cut and get up the field. I, I think he's got the lateral quickness to bounce runs to the perimeter, and he's got some agility and elusiveness to make people miss in the open field. I like his vision and patience to allow his blocks to develop, and then I think he's decisive with his decision-making. I think his play strength is probably average to above average. Same thing with his contact fidelity and its overall finishing ability. I think he's, I, I, listen, I think he's going to have a chance to make an NFL roster. Uh, but, but like you said, he's going to be competing with some other guys there at Ole Miss this year that we'll see if last year ends up being his best statistical output uh, in college. Yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of agree with you in terms of the idea of waiting and see because 
We're going to get to them a little bit later when we start talking about the incoming freshmen and the underclassmen that we should keep our eyes on. And there's going to be a guy that I think is going to really challenge Mr. Phillips there no matter what. So as we move on to the Alabama Crimson Tide, yes, we have another Bama running back here in this class. And that's junior, six foot one, 226 pounds, Mr. Brian Robinson Jr. Brian Robinson has been a player that we've kind of had on the scene for a long time. Again, I don't want to say a Debbie darling, um, but certainly a player that in those kind of Debbie communities, this has been a player that a lot of people have been very high on. And last year, the junior ran for 272 yards, good for 4.3 yards per carry, two touchdowns. And he didn't really contribute in the receiving game in any way, shape or form. But I want to talk a little bit about Brian Robinson in terms of what he brings as a ball carrier, though, with the ball in his hands. And you're going to get from him really a guy with good vision. You're going to get a guy who has agility in the open field. This is a player who definitely relishes in terms of handling and dealing with contact. This is a player whose contact fidelity, I think, is very good. I think he has a good handle for how to deal with collisions. I do think that he is you know, the, the second back to Najee Harris, although he will be in a quote unquote kind of committee setting with Najee, but we've seen Bama do this before. They always have a committee kind of going and there's always a primary and kind of secondary running back. And that primary looks like it's going to be Najee Harris, but Brian Robinson's going to really have an opportunity to make his name known. And I wouldn't be shocked if you see him kind of move and meander his way kind of up the depth chart, because again, just because he hasn't caught the ball doesn't mean he can't catch the ball because to the most part, it really wasn't a part of what Alabama did last year anyway. None of their running backs were really involved in the passing game. So I, I, I think Brian Robinson is a player who brings that kind of contact fidelity, that vision, that agility behind the line of scrimmage, that ability to handle things in the open field. Again, we're not talking about a guy who has a very skillful movement toolbox. There's not a lot of depth there, but there's but there's a variety of ways that he can contribute as a player, and I think he's going to find his way to being drafted, and I think he's going to find his way to being you know a committee back for a team so I, I like where he could go I just think that we haven't had the opportunity maybe to see everything that we need to see from Brian Robinson but I do like the prospect and the potential I have seen glimpses it's just a matter of getting a better feel for what he brings to the table overall yeah I mean listen I couldn't have said it better I what we've seen of him which is very limited it, it, is impressive in some areas, other areas it leaves you wondering, could he do more in, but we just don't know yet. He's a guy who I'll be watching closely this year. You know, you know, he'll get a lot of work at Alabama this year, you know, as part of a, that running back, running back backfield. And I think he'll be a guy that his evaluation could evolve, could adapt, could change substantially uh, as I get, as we get more film on him and more, you know, more, uh, you know, more carries, more touches, more, you know, just more overall, you know, film to study on this guy, because I do think his size and athleticism kind of combined together is intriguing. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, has that power and physicality and toughness with some good movement skills. So he's got a lot of intriguing things, but he's a guy that's really a wait and see uh, and, and see kind of what happens this year. So as we move on right now to uh, the Missouri product, junior, five foot 10, 210 pounds, Mr. Lowry, Larry Roundtree. Larry last year had 1,216 yards, good for 5.4 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns. He had 14 receptions for 62 yards. And when you look at Larry Roundtree, 
I mean, the first thing that really stuck out to me is I, I think when you look at him as a player, it was his overall ability to handle contact. I thought he was very good in collisions. I thought he really did show an exceptional ability to handle and push the pile when needed. And then in terms of his overall agility, I thought there was a lot of functionality in terms of his agility on the field. And his vision was pretty solid. I mean, I I didn't see a player who had a lot of opportunities to catch the football, as you can see by 14 receptions for 62 yards. But again, I don't think we have to see that all the time if we're talking about a player that we ultimately believes is going to be somebody that's going to maybe fill out a backfield as opposed to lead it. And I do think that's where Larry Roundtree right now um, kind of sits. There's still a lot of work to be watched on him and work to be found. Um, but for right now, I see him as kind of filling out a backfield and not necessarily being the primary in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think you're spot on right there. You know, in the, in the deep draft class like this, I think he's very much in the mix of the Joshua Kellys, the Scotty Phillips of the world, the Michael P. Ryan's of the world. And some of these guys aren't going to get drafted. It's just the way it is. I mean, look at last year, Miles Gaskin, a guy that we both really liked his overall skill set, goes late in the seventh round. Other guys that we thought were going to get drafted that some people really like that don't even go UDFA. You know, so uh, there's going to be guys like that in this draft class, but I think Roundtree kind of is in the mix with those, some of those other guys I just mentioned. I think he's a depth running back. I think he's best in an inside zone or gap running scheme. Uh, you know, I think he's a day three guy if he gets drafted. Uh, the receiving skills are something that I'd like to see him develop more, but besides the receiving skills and production and pass pro, I think he's pretty solid at everything else. Maybe, you know, good at a few things here or there, but I think his athleticism is average to above average. Same thing with his burst, his acceleration, his long speed. I think his footwork is good, shows the ability to one cut and get up the field quickly. I like the vision. You pointed that out and his patience. He waits for his blocks to develop and then is decisive in attacking the hole. Uh, while he's got average size, you talked about it his contact fidelity his play strength his ability to run through contact pick up additional yards after contact i think is something he does very well and i like his finishing ability and shows physicality and toughness with the ability to break tackles even at his size so those are the things i think roundtree does well but i think like you said we're talking of a depth running back a day for type prospect we're going right back to the well when I talk about a school that has already produced one player on this list. We're going back to the well, and that's we're going back to the Oklahoma territory, and we're going to take a look at number four, Trey Sermon, the junior, who's six foot. Uh, 224 pounds last year. He had 947 rushing yards, good for 5.8 yards per carry and 13 touchdowns, 12 receptions for 181 yards and no receiving touchdowns. Paul, I mean, when I look at Trey Sermon, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is I remember watching him at Oklahoma is I saw a very versatile back. I saw a versatile back. I saw a player that can do a little bit of everything. He was functional in a lot of areas. He had good vision. He had good patience. He can run between the tackles. He was also okay in space. He had the ability to catch the football. He could run routes, and he had good hands. So there were opportunities where I saw from him things that I'm thinking back more towards high school when I talk about his hands, but I'm talking about what I saw opportunities for him to do. I think Trey Sermon is a very versatile running back, and I think we have yet to really see the full compilation of what he can maybe bring to the table. I think there's going to be more opportunity for him um, this upcoming year, and I think he's a player that could rise a little bit for for people because, again, I know the production wasn't there in terms of the receptions, only 12, but if you saw some of his work in high school and what he was able to do in high school, I think the potential is there. It's just whether or not they're going to utilize him that way. But in terms of his vision, in terms of his pass protection, in terms of what he can do in between the tackles and outside, this is a player 
who is very functional. He's adaptable to a lot of circumstances. He may not have the variety of movement solutions, the depth of that movement toolbox that you're looking for, that maybe the highest players in this draft, the most skillful players in this draft have, but he's still got an answer and a solution for a variety of problems. And that alone makes him very, very interesting at the next level. So I I like Trey Sermon more as a, let's see if he takes that next step this year. Yeah, listen, I think he's a late day two, day three type prospect. I, I like this game more than Kylan Hill and, and Chuba Hubbard and some of those other guys we talked about on the last episode. I think he's best in an inside uh, zone or gap running scheme, but could effectively uh, do some outside stuff as well. I think his athleticism is good, short area burst, lateral quickness for a guy his size and frame. I like that contact fidelity, which allows him to run through contact, absorb and bounce off contact and defenders. Always shown that really good to great play strength, power, physicality, and toughness, delivers punishment, breaks tackles regularly. I think he's got good quick feet. He shows the ability to one cut and, and get up field. I think his agility is probably above average, above average agility, change of direction skills and elusiveness in the open field. But I think that's fine. I think that's a plus for him that he combines that with his overall athleticism uh, and his strength and physicality and all that. So I like his game. I think he's got a chance to continue to rise up. And like I said, right now, I, I, I'm more intrigued by his skill, overall skill set and versatility than I am about a guy like Kylan Hill or uh, Chuba Hubbard. Well, moving right along, I think we get to a player that really many people might be sitting here waiting for us to talk about. And, and that is the University of Georgia product, juniors, five foot nine, 214 pounds. I'm talking about who I believe is probably one of the most skillful movers in the draft. And that's Mr. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a player that I think needs a little introduction. I mean, he's been a player that we've loved coming out of high school to a player that has just absolutely set the collegiate world on fire in just a short time in being in this particular level. And I got to tell you something, Paul, DeAndre Swift is, is a bona fide number one first round pick. In my opinion, I don't think you're going to get a more um, versatile, skillful mover who has solutions on top of solutions for problems that are on top of problems. You're talking about a player who can run inside between the tackles. He can run outside in space. He can create, he can catch the football. He can run routes. I, the only, you know, knocks that you might hear on him is pass protection. You know, that, that he, you know, he's, he's still got a little bit of pass protection work to, to, to kind of do, but I, I don't think there's a situation on the football field where I don't like having DeAndre Swift as my ball carrier. Yeah, I mean, listen, DeAndre Swift is Alvin Kamara with collegiate production. And me and you, we had a stand uh, you know, on the hilltop talking about Alvin Kamara, but people didn't want to see that because he just wasn't utilized as much. And, and we were a little bit on an island on that. And, and that, listen, we've had our misses, so let's not act like we haven't. We've had plenty, you know, uh, you know, Sammy Coates at the top of the list is just one that comes to mind. But but Alvin Kamara, that was a win for us. And that was a big win for us because we didn't look at the statistical production and we looked at the, the traits and we looked at the talent level and we looked at the ability of him to solve problems in a variety of different ways and his versatility. Well, DeAndre Swift does all that 
and has the production to back it up. Their measurements are eerily similar. To me, their versatility and their big play and their play style are very similar. I think Swift is a three-down starting running back to play in all three downs. You know, is he a 22-touch guy game? No, he's probably a 16-18 touch guy, but that's what Alvin Kamara is. He's a round-one type prospect because he's a big impact player. I think he's best in an outside or an inside zone running scheme, but he could effectively run either uh, run either in a gap scheme as well. Uh, the athleticism, I think I would classify as great. The speed, the burst, acceleration, home run threat. Every time he touches the ball is elite cutting ability to make people miss combined with great agility, change of direction skills, elusiveness. He's got the vision, the patience. He's got everything. He's a total package. Great receiving skills can including route running, understanding route concepts and hands. There, there's nothing else we could add. This guy is going to be one of the top running backs next year. I think he's got a legitimate chance to go in round one. I think he's probably in the running with three guys to be the first running back selected next year in the 2020 draft. Yeah, there, I mean, there's nothing to add to that. I mean, what, what else do you say about DeAndre Swift? He's very good. I mean, like, there's nothing more to add to that. So let's move right on to Arizona. Let's go ahead and take a look. At number 21, that's JJ Taylor, redshirt junior, five foot six, 184 pounds. He, last year, he ran for 1,434 yards, good for 5.6 yards per carry, six touchdowns, and he had 16 receptions for 133 yards. Paul, tell us a little bit about JJ Taylor. Yeah, so we're talking about a smaller guy, change of pace or depth running back and a kick returner. We're talking about a day three prospect. If he gets drafted, uh, we're talking outside zone or gap runner. Uh, running scheme with some inside zone runs like draws and delayed runs out of shotguns or spread formations. Uh, his, his calling cards, he, he's got good athleticism, burst and acceleration. I think he's probably only got average to above average long speed. That's not, you know, one of his uh, top traits, but it's his cutting ability. Very good cutting ability, agility, elusiveness in the open field to be a big play threat, good footwork and lateral quickness to regularly bounce runs to the perimeter. Good visions and patience, allowing his blocks to develop and picking their correct hole. Uh, and even at his size and frame, shows average to solid play strength, physicality, and toughness. But it's really that stop and go, that cutting ability, and and that type of overall uh, game that intrigues him in a bit role at the next level. Obviously, his, his size, his frame, his power, finishing ability, receiving production is a little bit of areas uh, – developing areas or concerns, but I do think he potentially has a role at the next level, uh, but it's probably at the back end of a roster. No, I, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't really add to anything you just said there, because to be honest with you, I think that's the biggest thing about JJ Taylor. I think you're talking about a player that is going to be, you know, at, at his best, he's going to be a change, change of pace back for a team. He's going to have a slotted role. He's going to have a position on a team, but I don't think he's going to emerge as being, you know, a three down runner, but that is, is J.J. Taylor. Let's talk about the other Taylor. The other Taylor, who's from Wisconsin, the junior 5'11", 221-pound Jonathan Taylor, who I think is every bit the three-down runner that we're looking for in this draft. Because in 2018, he had 2,194 yards, good for 7.1 yards per carry, 16 rushing touchdowns, and eight receptions for 60 yards. Paul Jonathan Taylor is literally, I, I don't want to talk about what he can do because there's a lot of things that he already does. I want to talk a little bit about what surprised me. 
What surprised me most about Jonathan Taylor was his agility at his size. I didn't really think, I didn't understand how agile of a player he was until I had a chance to watch him really run. You know, I mean, in terms of understanding, like we said, seeing through the first and second level, understanding blocking schemes, but also understanding how to use those free blockers in space to create running lanes for yourself. Jonathan Taylor is a very, very, very attuned and sensitive running back when he's running the football. I, I don't think that people understand just how agile he is. Now, uh, in the open field, I don't think he's as agile as he is between the tackles. But let's not diminish the fact that there's agility. Agility is agility. Whether you have it in the open field or you have it between the tackles, his agility is good. But I do think that he is more agile between the tackles than people give him credit for. I do think that his size and his overall contact fidelity is something that stands out. And the thing that surprised me the most about him was I, I just I, I just didn't realize how good he could potentially be just when you watch him run in terms of handling all the different types of problems a running back can handle from interior runs to outside runs. There's really not much he can't handle in terms of a runner. But I mean, of course, the biggest knocks are going to be, you know, his pass protection and what does he do in terms of um, receiving? Cause he has almost no receptions. Paul, I, I, I mean, I think he's a bona fide number one pick round one pick. I mean, is that is that lunacy? No, I don't. I don't think it's lunacy. But I do think what really is interesting is you know his biggest areas. He's got to protect the ball a little bit. NFL coaches are going to lose their minds. He has had some ball security issues. But I mean, besides that, everything else is there. Ideal size and frame, elite athleticism was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. The long speed is great for for his measurements. The burst, the acceleration, elite play strength, contact fidelity. You know, you you nailed it all. I don't got to go through it all again. You you talked about his movement skills as well, the lateral quickness to effectively run outside or bounce runs to the perimeter combined, you know, with the agility and elusiveness that you talked about. You know, I wrote starting running back, must improve in pass receiving to play on all three downs. You know, best in an inside and outside power gap running scheme, but could also effectively but also can effectively run zone schemes as well. I wrote round one or day two because I do really think he's got a legitimate chance to go uh in round one. But what I'm interested to hear your take on before we move on is why is it that the consensus seems to be people are significantly higher on Jonathan Taylor and kind of don't bring up the pass receiving stuff and the pass concerns for him, but they do for AJ Dillon. Like to me, I think both of these guys are, are physical freaks, really intriguing prospects, but it seems like AJ Dillon is getting knocked a lot for his lack of pass receiving and production, but I don't feel like Jonathan Taylor is. Do you, is there something about Jonathan Taylor that substantially makes him a better prospect than AJ Dillon in your eyes? Or is it just one of those things that some people are attaching AJ Dillon to his negatives more than we are for Taylor to his? I, I think if I had to, I mean, if I had to put a, if I had to put a, a pinpoint on it, there's more highlight reels, I feel like, of, of Jonathan Taylor. And that's maybe not a fair reason, but I do think it is a reason. I think we have decided, you know, first of all, you know, when you look at Jonathan Taylor, he was playing in the Big Ten, you know, and he was also productive as a freshman. 
And I think that that's something obviously AJ Dillon was as well. In fact, if you remember back, AJ Dillon and Jonathan Taylor were both on the kind of precipice of being considered the top backs in the country for a stretch. And then came the DeAndre Swifts and then came the JK Dobbins and then came all the other guys that joined this class. But those two guys were really the kind of the, the most heralded players at the position for a good stretch of time during their freshman and into their sophomore years. I think it's only because other players have come into the, the question that maybe AJ Dillon has fallen off. But I do think that you raise a great point. I'm not sure why we're so harping on receiving capabilities with one player and not the other. I feel like it should be treated equally amongst all them in the positional groups. So I really can't answer that for you, but I can tell you that Jonathan Taylor, I think was adopted within the world. That is the communities of uh, players and fans and media as being the player that people wanted to follow. And to whatever degree that's fair or unfair, I think it, I think it has kind of played that role. But I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know specifically. I can't speak to that. Yeah, I mean, and you could even say Travis Etienne too, because he's got the same pass catching question marks as you know as Jonathan Taylor and and, and AJ Dillon does. So I just I found that interesting. They're all r- really special talents in my in my opinion. So it, it's interesting how some people seem to really hone in on some people's. Uh, developing areas or concerns more so than others. And they're the same issues for all burritos guys. Let's keep this going. We got a few more guys left before we end with some uh, rankings and uh, a quick look at some underclassmen. Next up is Patrick Keller Jr. out of Memphis. He's a senior. He's six foot three, 227 pounds. He rushed for 1,122 yards uh, with uh, 16 touchdowns uh, last year. So obviously a fantastic statistical production. He had 17 receptions for 197 yards and two touchdowns as well. Uh, listen, I think he's a depth short yardage goal line type runner. I think he's day three. If he gets drafted, I think he's best in an inside gap or zone running scheme. Listen, he's got rare size and frame for the position. I think Based on that size and frame, I think he's got good to very good athleticism, above average long speed, burst and acceleration, at, like I said, at that height and weight, above average receiving skills and hands to be a factor in the pass game, good contact fidelity and play strength to consistently run through tackles and pick up additional yards, shows good physicality, toughness and power to break tackles regularly and to be an asset in short yardage and goal line situations. I like his vision and patience as well to allow runs to develop with the footwork and the ability to one cut and be decisive in attacking the lanes. I think level of competition a little bit, the holes we, you know, I talked about that a lot last year with Darrell Henderson. Uh, I think sometimes it, it's hard to really evaluate him based on the, the level of competition. Uh, he's got some pass protection issues. So intriguing player at the size and, 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 and frame and combine that with his athleticism. But I still think we're probably looking more at a day for type guy. You know what? Moving right along to another player that I really, really liked out of Vanderbilt, and that's Kayshawn Vaughn. The redshirt senior is five foot ten, two hundred twenty-two pounds, and last year he had one thousand two hundred forty-four yards, good for seven point nine yards per carry and twelve touchdowns. He had thirteen receptions for one hundred and seventy yards and two touchdowns. And Paul, I think this is every bit the player that you're talking about when we talk about the difference between you know having those quote-unquote observable characteristics that just immediately translate. And then there's those players that are just very skillful and masterful within their own skin. They 
They have a good feel and sensitivity for the game. They understand what's happening in front of them, and they can use that to manipulate and create opportunities for themselves. And I think that really describes who Kayshawn Vaughn is, because when you look at him as a player and you ask, you know, who is he as a player? This is a player who I think is very much the running back that likes to use his size and contact fidelity to win within collisions, but he also understands that he has the opportunity of blockers out there to create running lanes for himself so he can get as many yards as possible. You combine that with his amazing balance, flexibility, and contact and uh, agility, and I think you're talking about a player who can win in the open field, but also a player who can win in between the tackles. When you look at him, his biggest traits that stand out to me is I think he's a very, very patient runner. I think he has good vision in terms of understanding what's in front of him in terms of the emergence of the running lanes that are created for him by blockers, but also the anticipatory skills to understand when backs, when backside cutback lanes are opening up as well. I see a player who's very sensitive to pursuit angles of players in the open field, but I don't see a player that has a lot of movement solutions in the open field. I think he really does rely on two things. I think he relies on his stiff arm and his contact fidelity to win within collisions or to handle kind of indirect contact from from tacklers. And you see a player who really understands how to use those free blockers, how to create opportunities for himself by using those blockers in his running lanes and use them as kind of, you know, shields to further increase his yards per carry. So I think you see a very sensitive runner in the open field to a limited number of solutions, but I don't see a player who's very elusive in the open field, if that makes sense. But in terms of handling, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, I definitely see a player who's very decisive. I kind of like him in a little bit more in a gap scheme or inside zone scheme. And I definitely think you're talking about a lead committee back. I don't know if we're talking about an every down, three down, back because I really haven't seen it from him in terms of you know the receptions in terms of the route tree and everything that he's run but I do like him as a lead committee back I think he has a chance to really surprise if we keep moving forward at this pace yeah I I think what you laid out there is, is pretty close to what I saw as well he's an intriguing player who I think has a pretty wide versatile role type that he can impact the game in a variety of ways. I think he can play on all three downs. I think he's got the upside to become a starter. Uh, the plus side of a committee backfield is probably where he ends up. I think he can run just about in any running scheme. I like him best in his own scheme, whether it's inside or outside. I, I think maybe in the, in the film I watched, I saw a little bit more elusiveness in the open field, but I, I think what you talked about, uh, is, is just that I could see that as well. Uh, but I like the overall player. I think he's an interesting package that NFL teams are going to be intrigued by. I think for him this year, showing more in the receiving game could go a long way of him being a day two prospect, which I think he could be. But I think if he doesn't show a little bit more in that based on his age, based on his you know athletic profile and stuff like that, I think he could then slide into the early part of day three. But I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say I think he ends up being a day two guy. Uh, it's rare for a senior running back to redshirt senior nonetheless uh, to be a top 100 pick. But I think it's a possibility here uh, with Keyshawn Vaughn. I really like the overall player. Uh, so I just want to see him to maybe take the next step and be a little bit more of a impact in the passing game overall, but like the player. Yeah, I, I really like the player as well. And I agree with you on that one. He's a player that 
I could see myself kind of climbing the rankings with him as as the season goes on, as we keep seeing more and more from him this year. So as we move right along, we have two more left to kind of discuss in this really this amazing kind of positional preview breakdown where we we really kind of went we went we went all out. We tried to get everybody in here. So we're gonna kinda of talk about San Diego State redshirt senior Juwan Washington, five foot seven, hundred and ninety pounds. Last year he had nine hundred and ninety nine yards, good for five point yards per carry, ten touchdowns, ten receptions for seventy three yards. Paul, what can you tell us about Juwan Washington? Yeah, I mean, listen, this is going to sound very similar, but I think he's a very similar player to J.J. Taylor out of Arizona, who I talked about a few minutes ago. We're looking at a change of pace type guy, depth player, kick returner. We're looking at Dave Reef, he gets drafted, best in an outside zone uh, running scheme. We could do, do a little bit of outside gap as well. Uh, if you want to work on the inside with him at the next level, I think you're mostly talking about out of a shotgun or, or spread formation draws or delayed type runs, get him in space, a little bit of a space player. Uh, you know, I think if he could expand his receiving production and his receiving skills, I think he has a chance to be a third down type player at the next level. Uh, but right now that's something that's definitely a question mark developing area for him. Uh, obviously, you know, durability, power, pass protection, a little bit older as well. So those are some other concerns, but for him, it's his athleticism. I think his athleticism is very good. I think he's got good speed, burst and acceleration. I like the footwork and the cutting ability to quickly and easily change directions. Uh, great agility and elusiveness in the open field to make people miss. And, and while undersized has a compact frame with above average contact balance, play strength and toughness. Uh, so he runs tougher and he plays tougher than maybe his size and frame uh, would indicate. So, Role player at the next level, uh, I think for him, needing needs to show more in the past game uh, to really have a chance at the next level. Finishing off and rounding out this positional preview show, we're going to talk about Auburn redshirt sophomore, six foot, two hundred and sixteen pounds, Mister Number Twenty Eight, Jatarvius Whitlow. Last year, Whitlow ran for 787 yards, good for 5.2 yards per carry and six touchdowns. And he had 15 receptions for 173 yards and two touchdowns as well. This is a player that I got kind of hip to a little late in the game. And I kind of learned about him um, probably about a year, uh, just about a year and change ago when I was watching a spring game. And Whitlow just really jumped off the page to me in terms of his overall athleticism, in terms of taking the football, his athletic ability in terms of getting his stop and start, his ability to get quickly to top uh, to top speed, his ability to change direction, and his ability to kind of elude defenders in the open field. He definitely showed that capacity to do that. And he overall, he had better kind of contact fidelity than I, than I thought he would. Because when you consider what he looked like on the field, yeah, I mean, he's six foot, 216 pounds. But he definitely looked more sprightly than that. And when he kind of delivered a blow, I was surprised with how much power came with it. I mean, I thought he was very, very solid in those respective areas. So athleticism was a big plus for him. But overall, I mean, in terms of being, um, you know, showing incredible vision between the tackles, being a very nuanced runner, that was not something that I had seen yet from Whitlow, but I'm still kind of watching a lot of his kind of film. So the jury's still out for me on Whitlow, but I remember being very struck by him a year and change ago when I was watching the Auburn spring game. So he's a player that's been on my ra- radar for a while, and, and I'm excited to kind of continue to watch his film. Paul, what were some of your thoughts on the Auburn player? 
Yeah, I liked what I saw from him. I think he's more of a committee type backfield, but I think he can play on all three downs, which I think helps his cause. I like him best in an inside zone or gap running scheme. I think he's a day three type talent. I think he's got some areas to clean up, you know, from the ball security. I think his vision and patience can improve a little bit. Uh, same thing with pass protection, but you know, he's got ideal size and frame. He's got good athleticism. I, I think he, I like his bursts. I think his long speed, his acceleration. I think the contact fidelity and play strength are really good he picks up extra yards he, he runs through contact he absorbs contact well i like the power the physicality the toughness i think he's got good quick feet shows the ability to one cut and get up the field and then and the receiving skills i think is something that enhance you know the shows that he can be a factor in the passing game so you know i think his movement skills in the open field are probably functional at this point or average uh but i i do think there's some room for him to grow there as well so i do think whitlow i don't know if these redshirt sophomores we had a couple of them on here over the over the two shows i don't know if these redshirt sophomores are going to come out with how deep this class is though that is something that i think is something to monitor closely i could see a lot of them going back uh for another year uh and maybe come out the following year where the class you know i know we're really looking out far but at this point the class of 2021 doesn't look to be as you know special as this 2020 running back class no, and I think you raise a great point. I mean, there are a lot of players here that I think may end up going back as a result of that. I mean, Chubba Hubbard, for example, somebody that we were both talking about um, recently, uh, that's a player that I think could end up going back, you know, now that he's going to be the kind of the lone man in the backfield, it's going to be pretty much his ride. So that could very well be the case. So Paul, as we kind of transition now, let's talk about some of those guys that are on the horizon, some of those players that we should be aware of. And I'm going to kind of start with the players that are probably, I'll start with the the more senior players first. These are players that are going to be uh, a little bit older. Um, these are the guys that are underclassmen. So I'll start with the older underclassmen first. Here are some players to kind of keep on your radar this upcoming season. And I'm not going to go into too much of a kind of discussion about them because to be very honest with you, a lot of these players, they're in our freshman notebook book or these are players that we're going to be talking to and talking about for probably episodes to come and one of the guys that i want to start with is zamir white from georgia zamir white is now back at full health he did have acl surgery um we know that that's something that can be detrimental to a running back but everything has been reporting that he is fine and in the freshman notebook he was the number one running back that i had coming out of high school in 2018 so you want to be aware of him he's definitely going to have an increased role in georgia although it will be behind deandre swift another player to keep your eye on is Jalen Jill from Ohio State. He's the player that might end up being the guy who ends up playing that coveted spot that Paris Campbell, you know, kind of left behind that H back spot. It might be a player that he might end up filling that role. He'll be there along with the likes of KJ Hill as well. But Jalen Jill is that running back that can play wide receiver. He can run between the tackles. He's an outstanding wide receiver. He's a guy to keep on your radar. Jalen Jill could end up being a player that could emerge this season. Another player that I think is going to end up being, you know, the next great running back, so to speak, um, at Penn State, and that's Ricky Slade. Ricky Slade was a player in the 2018 freshman notebook we had as our third overall running back. Um, he is a player that is outstanding, can contribute in the pass game, can run between the tackles, incredibly elusive in the open field. Keep your eye out for Ricky Slade. Another player to be aware of is a player who came on last year, big time player, had a fantastic year. Um, and he was a player that unfortunately I didn't get a chance to write up in terms of our, uh, in terms of our, uh, which we'll call it our freshman notebook. 
Um, but he was a player that was on the horizon. That was Max Borgie. Max Borgie is a player that you need to keep on your radar. Um, he can do everything from catching the football, can run between the tackles, run in the open field, a very good player to keep your eye on this upcoming season. James Cook is another player from Georgia to keep your eye on as well. Um, yes, that's Dalvin Cook's brother. And yes, he is an incredible athlete, just like his brother, and he's great in the open field. Another player to keep your eye on is a player out of Texas. You got to love Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram had a great, great, great year last year, and you're going to see that keep moving forward. He's a player who I think specializes more as being one of those players that's functional in a lot of areas. I don't think he's exceptionally agile um, in between the tackles. I don't think that's where he wins, but I think his versatility as a player makes him very interesting moving forward. And another player to keep on your radar is Sean Shivers. Yes, there's another Auburn running back, Sean Shivers. I mean, to call him Mighty Mouse is not something that I'm trying to be insulting about. Um, It's not because he's a small, terribly small guy. I mean, he is smaller on the smaller end. He is five foot seven. He was 169 pounds coming out of high school, but this kid plays with incredible tenacity and incredible burst. I mean, this is a player who's athletic and who is absolutely insanely attuned to plays in the open field. He's agile in the open field. He was dynamite in moments last year, and I think he's only going to get better Please keep your eye out for Sean Shivers. As we get into the freshmen coming in this year, I'm just going to name a few of them. There's a lot of them to kind of pay attention to, but I think the guys that are most intriguing to me is Jerrion Ely. We were talking about how Scotty Phillips has got to be a little bit aware of who's going to be kind of coming in behind him. Jerrion Ely might be one of the most impressive running backs I've seen coming out of high school um, in a short while. And that's that's not hyperbole. I mean, he he really is impressive about what he can do between the tackles as a receiver. He's a player, in my opinion, he was the number one um, overall prospect in the 2019 uh, Saturday or Sunday Freshman Notebook. I had him rated as my number one prospect. I had him as the top outside runner in the class. I had him rated as the top receiver in the class, and I'm rated as the fourth best fourth best interior runner in the class as well. And I also had him rated as the fifth best in terms of contact fidelity. So when you talk about inside, outside, receiving, contact fidelity, he he ranked everywhere in there. So, I mean, for me, he was one of the best prospects in this class. But that's not to be undersold by another player to keep your eyes on. He's already making waves at LSU, and that's John Emery Jr., John Emery Jr. was the best interior runner in that class, in my opinion, and he was also the second best outside runner in that class as well. He's a player who's extremely agile, extremely attuned to solving problems between the tackles. He's very agile in in short spaces, but he can also weave together multiple, multiple moves in space as well. The third running back we had in the Saturday Sunday notebook to keep your eye on is Trey Sanders. Even though it's Alabama, he's a player that could end up making a contribution early. He's very good in between the tackles. I had him rated um, as one of my best interior runners. He was my third best interior runner in the class. And the next guy I want to kind of throw out to you, I'm only going to mention two more guys, Paul. Don't worry, calm down. I'm almost there. Is Zach Charbonnet from Michigan. Zach Charbonnet was the number two interior runner for me in this class. 
His he was the number one overall contact fidelity, followed up by Trey Sanders. So he was a player to definitely keep your eyes on. He's already getting the trust of players at Michigan. He looks like he's going to have a chance to potentially win that starting role. And another player to keep on, this is the last and final one I'll mention, actually last two, is Eric Gray from Tennessee, who may end up winning that role in Tennessee. Eric Gray was a really interesting running back. He did a little bit of everything when it came to being um, – an interior and outside runner. I had him rated as the fourth best outside runner in the class. So that goes to show you where he is in terms of running outside his attunement, his sensitivity to space. Very, very interesting. And last but not least is Brees Hall from Iowa State University. Brees Hall is a very well-rounded back. I had him rated as my third best receiver in the class. And he was a player who I think overall is going to be very, very, very interesting in terms of what he can do in that ISU backfield. He was good between the tackles, but what he did as a receiver, I think it's going to catapult him to an early round success in terms of being on people's radars as we move forward. So Paul, there's a look at some of the top you know, incoming freshmen and also some undergraduates that we should uh, be aware of. Yeah, I mean, it, it. what you just rattled off right there just shows you the depth of talent at the running back position in college football right now. And I think that depth and the star studdedness of some of the guys we've talked about over the last two episodes, I think we're about to be in in the NFL in, in an area, in a time that we're going to see more talent at the running back position, top level talent than we've ever seen maybe in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, there's just so many guys right now. And now after the 2020 class comes in and then some more guys down the line, I think we're going to be at potentially the peak in terms of overall running back talent, the skill, uh, the way these guys perform, it's going to be fascinating here. So before we close it out though, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to give the audience a little bit of rankings. Everyone likes rankings. So I'm going to give my top 15 draft eligible rankings at the running back position to kind of close out the, you know, the first part of our positional previews doing the running backs in these two parter uh, that we did over the last couple of days. Number one, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Number two, Travis Etienne out of Clemson. Number three, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. Number four, Cam Akers out of Florida State. Number five, A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Number six, J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. Number seven, Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State. Number eight, Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland. Number nine, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. Number 10, Najee Harris out of Alabama. Number 11, Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma. Number 12, Chuba Hubbard uh, out of Oklahoma State. Number 13, Kylan Hill out of uh, Mississippi State. Number 14, Ty Chandler out of Tennessee. And number 15, Reggie Corbin out of Illinois. I think the first eight guys... They're probably locks for me in terms of, you know, I think they're going to be the guys. I think Keyshawn Vaughn or Najee Harris, who I have at nine or 10, are the only two guys who can push into that top eight if all eight of them end up coming out. But I think the order could very much shuffle between those top eight guys. You know, I think Travis Eaton and Jonathan Taylor can make a case to be one. I think A.J. Dillon, J.K. Dobbins, and Eno Benjamin could push above Cam Akers if we don't see Cam Akers develop up to the level of talent we expect this year. I think, you know, Benjamin could jump ahead of J.K. Dobbins or A.J. Dillon. I think, like, you know, a lot of movement can be had in those first seven guys or, or so. And then I'm really intrigued, like we said, about Anthony McFarland, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Najee Harris to round out my top ten. But I can never remember in the summer being more excited about a top ten than I am those guys right there. 
No, and, and you know what? I'm not exactly in the ranking phase yet, but I'm in the tier phase right now, and I would agree with you. The only thing that I would probably differ with you on or, and, and, and not differ with you in terms of I disagree with necessarily any of the rankings, but I, I do think that I would probably have Najee Harris in that first tier as well for me. He would probably round out my top seven or eight, so that's about it. But other than that, I, I, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I mean, I am most excited about those gems that we found. And I think that's one of the things I'd like to highlight as we kind of close this show out. It's exciting to watch some of these players and find those gems. And a lot of those gems are players that, you know, maybe you didn't know ahead of time. I mean, we're, you know, Paul and I are only two people. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're sharing information back and forth. We actually love that the community out there, you guys listening, kind of throw players out to us that we haven't watched because again, we're only two players, you know, two people watching films. So to, to find people like Anthony McFarland, to find guys like Corbin, to find guys like those, I think is really just fun. And it's what makes this process and this discussion so much more uh, fun to have when we're talking on air. Yeah, absolutely. This was, this was an absolute blast. These last two episodes we did together, uh, it re reignites, it rejuvenates, it gets me excited for the season. And that's just the first two positional previews. You know, the running backs, we're going to have two on wide receivers, uh, one on tight ends, one or two on the quarterbacks. And then, you know, and then we'll be here. It'll be the week of college football. And I'm hoping to schedule a couple guests on to hear some of their thoughts on this, on this great class to kind of get us ready for the college football season. So it's just an absolute blast. And guys, if you're enjoying what we're doing in these positional preview shows, please please purchase the premium notebooks they will be available late august early september remember you will get the scouting notebook all our thoughts on all these guys that we're talking about in depth we update it we add more to it uh we we break them in the tabs once we know who's going and who's staying in college but all 29 guys we talked about, there'll be a profile on all 29 of those guys. Their bio, their strengths, their weakness, uh, their strengths, areas, their functional, developing areas, concerns, you know, NFL scheme fits, NFL roles, draft projection. A lot of stuff we talked about tonight with a bonus this year, a fantasy spin for, for many of the prospects as well with a little bit maybe in the future where their fantasy upside uh, may lie uh, once they get to the NFL level as well. That's a little bit of a, of a new wrinkle in the uh, scouting notebook. Obviously, you get the rankings notebook with all the different types of rankings. We'll talk much more about that closer to release date. And then also the freshman notebook uh, and the draft projections notebook. But basically, if you enjoy the stuff tonight, you would love the scouting notebook because you would have it all at your fingertips at all times. And it's updated throughout the year with a massive update after the season as well. So Matt, any final thoughts? If not, bring it on in. Yeah, no, no. I just want to reiterate, like this is the year also where if you're a fan of, if you're in the Devi and dynasty world and you want to get your kind of incoming freshman and a little bit of a, a tease on some of the players, you know, this is the time also to go back and invest in um, the 2019 freshman notebook because in that series, in that scouting notebook series that we have, not only do you get all the players that we did for the regular notebook, but you also get the 2018 notebook. Am I correct, Paul? Yes. So you actually could have the 2018 freshman notebook, the 2019 freshman notebook, and then when the 2020 freshman notebook comes out, you could theoretically have three years worth of players. You might have all of your draft classes covered, at least on a preliminary level, to the best that I could possibly get from their high school film. You could probably have three years worth of players' film 
evaluations done for you out of high school, which means you have a step up when it comes to making some of those kind of shark level moves in your Devian dynasty communities. So it's just something to keep in mind. You know, I mean, it's just another reason to maybe invest maybe in the 2019 um, notebook series as well. So it's just something to consider as we move forward, Paul. Absolutely. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, hopefully you enjoyed the first two-parter positional preview shows. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.